Hi, everyone. I'm Maya Fleming, and you're listening to Gentler, a podcast about postgrad life, adulthood, and self-care. Where would you like to be in a year? Seriously, where do you think you could be if you had a year of dedicated focus, self-care, systems that work best for you, and a community that held you accountable, supported, and uplifted you the entire way? What does that look like for you? If that vision is something that puts a smile on your face and excites you, then Club Gentler might be perfect for you. To make sure, then click the link in the show notes and watch my free workshop, How to Set Time Aside for Your Side Hustles or Goals Without Waiting to Feel Motivated. You'll get to learn my productivity method, the Power Hour Goal Method, from top to bottom, and you'll also be able to see if Club Gentler is a great fit. I hope to see you on the inside. Now let's get back to the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Gentler. I am so happy to have you all here. For today's Gentler Chat episode, I'm speaking with Lee Lester, who is a licensed therapist based out of Texas. We talk about so much good stuff, including boundaries, which was huge, and a lot of the issues that people in the young adult, like women demographic deal with. So if any of that interests you, Make sure you keep listening. I will have all of Lee's information in the show notes. Be sure to go check her out, follow her for more self-care and mental health information. And then also give this episode a rate and review if you enjoyed it. I'll chat with you all again soon. Bye. So how are you doing today? Um, I'm having a difficult day, but I am allowing myself to kind of sit with my feelings, sit with my grieving, um, and also find some gratitude as well you're probably the first person ever on gentler to say that they weren't having a great day or that they weren't doing fine or something and I'm sure no one was lying but it's the the transparency that you know not every day is good even when you're doing an interview and you might feel compelled to be like oh I'm good I'm fine it's been a fun day like anything like that like so I appreciate that and I'm sure anyone listening will be like you know what I I'm not either so what are we going to do about that So that brings, that's a good like segue into, I always ask people, what kind of self-care are you doing lately? Um, If nothing, or if you feel like it's not enough lately, that's fine too. But for you, what kind of self-care has been happening? Self-care for me lately has looked like boundaries Mm. Um, and boundaries with other people, but also boundaries with myself. I think that sometimes we forget we have to um, kind of create some limits or boundaries in what we are um, doing as far as in our self-work. Um, self-care has also looked like rest for me lately. I am someone who is positioning out of hustle culture and feeling like my value was attached to my productivity. So there's been a lot of intention about allowing myself to step away from work. And then I'd say another big one has been play lately. Um, The weather's getting nice. So getting outside with my kids, um, dancing, I'd say those would be my top three as of late. Yeah, I love that. I've been trying to get more into like fun, I guess. I've been kind of losing. So I've been trying to think. Um, and I work with one-on-one clients and a lot of them, they're, I, I thought people, when they signed up, they were going to want to work on like income goals. You know, they're going to want to make money. And I was like, yeah, I can help you do that. And a lot of them were like, I want to get back into hobbies. Like, I just want to get back into having a pastime. And I was like, you know what, let's try this. What did you used to enjoy when you were a kid? What were those hobbies you liked as a child? 
let's try those out again and see how it goes. So I've been trying to use that advice on myself and childhood hobbies and even TV shows I liked as a kid, just to kind of like reignite that spirit, I guess. So I've definitely been, been into play and stuff myself. So I love that. Um, you Can you tell the audience real quick, just who you are, what you do? I was going to launch into questions right away, but I realized I hadn't done that yet. So no if you worries. don't mind. <laughs> no worries. I was eager to get started too. Um, <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Lee Lester. I am a licensed therapist out of Texas. And in my practice, I love to show up for young women who are trying to stop shrinking themselves, tired of playing small. Um, I really try to lend myself to helping people gain clarity, gain confidence and gain courage. So that's really how I like to show up for my clients. I love that. Wow, I need it. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, um, I know that when we talked before this recording, you mentioned how you love working with young women um, and, and just the issues that kind of come up with them. What do you think are some of like the biggest issues? I don't want to say plaguing, but that, that we're dealing with at a, a certain age range. And I guess we could say like, I don't know, like this might be wide, but like 18 to 30 maybe. No, that's not wide at all. That's, okay. perfect. that's perfect. That's again, that's who I serve. I would say for this age range, um, a lot of it, a lot of the research and what I see um, is revolved around this idea of emerging adulthood. That now there is, you know, we used to go straight out of adolescence into adulthood, but now there's a new period where it is where you're really still transitioning, right? You're gaining independence, you're learning freedom and navigating this period is new. It's different because our mothers didn't and our grandmothers didn't navigate this, right? They, uh, their life was very strict. And again, it looks different now. And so people, we have more freedom, we have more options, but people struggle with, okay, what do I do? Or they struggle with still trying to, live their lives in this streamlined manner that the generations before us live, but don't necessarily, but isn't our reality. And so I do a lot again around helping people create, get clear on what do I want out of life? What do I want for my life? Not what have I been told to want? Not what have I been conditioned to want? Not what do my parents expect of me, but what do I want? Um, and I also find that so much of the hesitation is rooted in fear. Um, people are scared of failure. People are, um, there's this fear of missing out. Um, there's the comparison, the imposter syndrome. Um, so those are, when people come saying, oh, I want to be more confident. The reason they're lacking confidence is because there's some fear in there. And it's really about learning how to trust yourself. Yeah, I, I love that you said that because I feel like, and I, I'm not any different than other people, I'm sure, but I feel like my parents often will try to apply what they knew growing up to how I'm doing things and with my mom, especially, and I know she's probably listening, so I'm going to just kind of be trying to mince my words a little bit, but that's the fear coming <laughs> up. Um, but we went to the same high school, grew up in the same town, had a lot of the same teachers. So it really was like I was in her shadow the entire time. And so when things start playing out much differently, that's been, I don't wanna say a point of contention, but definitely kind of like a discomfort that I have at least felt of just like, I'm doing things differently, but I can tell they're not 
I don't know, I've gotten very comfortable kind of not rejecting advice from my parents, but being like, I hear you. I'm not going to do that, but I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I don't have time to list out all the reasons why it's different, but it is. And you're going to have to trust me on it. And I think for the most part, they do. But that's definitely been a thing of like, well, when I did this or I did this and this. And I'm like, I, I know y'all love to say there's nothing new under the sun. That's like their catchphrase. But like, I think it might be. It might be like there are a lot of different elements going on. Um, so you mentioned fear being a thing and as a young adult and especially as a content creator, I know of so many roads I would like to go down. Like I would just last week, I posted a story about sex and I was so nervous because I was like, I know my mom sees this. I know my grandmother's seeing it, but it was something that I felt like, you know, was a responsibility for me to serve a community at large and not really worry about my fears, but do you have any like tangible tips for people when they know they want to step out into something, but they're worried and it, it doesn't have to be sex or anything like that, but just, you know, things that they feel like are going to cause some type of conflict or go against what those expectations are, like you mentioned, what are some things that people can do to kind of work through that? Well, I think the first thing is always naming the fear, right? So often we're just feeling, we're just feeling and subconsciously feeling, but sometimes, you know, you've got to confront it head on, like, I am scared, I am fearful. And then getting clear on, okay, what is it that I'm afraid of? So once you know what's there and what you're up against, you can kind of begin to reason your way through it. A lot of times, again, when we're feeling the fear, we react instead of respond. But again, when you can name it and confront it, and again, apply some reasoning and thought to it, then it doesn't, it doesn't always feel so scary anymore when you can say, okay, it feels scary, but this is why I'm doing it. Or this is what's on the other side of fear. Mm -hmm. Then you're controlling instead of the feeling controlling you. I love that. Yeah. That's a good, a good reminder. What's on the other side of fear. I really, cause a lot of times it makes it worth it. And like the fear isn't really that bad or isn't really as, as big as what, yeah. it, what it seems like. Um, so the question I was going to jump on earlier was about your boundaries. Can you mention how your self-care is looking not only like boundaries for other people, but boundaries for yourself? Um, could you talk a little bit more about the boundaries that you're, and maybe not even the specific boundaries if you don't want to, but why you feel like it's so important and what it looks like when we kind of reject those boundaries with ourselves? Okay. I think it's important for women in general because we have a tendency to give, 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 serve, nurture. Um, we tend to attach our value to that. And that's also because that's what society um, tends to value in women as well, right? We're considered good if we're of service to others. However, we start to neglect ourselves, um, you know, in service to others. You have to I believe very much in filling up your over, your cup and then giving from the overflow. Mm -hmm. And so boundaries that have been important to me um, have been saying no to events. I come from a family that I love, that I adore, that I'm so blessed to be with, but you're expected to be at everything all the time, each uh, time. And I had to create some boundaries around what I was going to be able to show up for, when, what time I would leave, those types of things. Um, I have also set boundaries and for me, mostly around work, right? Like I'm, I'm going to have a start time and have an end time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
I am going to check email, not check email on, on weekends, things of that nature. Because again, I've been the type, I've always been a high achiever where I would get lost in my work. Um, boundaries um, and a big, well, I don't even know if I would call this a boundary, but learning to use my voice. Um, a lot of times, I think as women, we sit with discomfort. We don't always say, hey, I don't like this or I don't want to do this. So in a way, it is boundaries. But learning to use my voice and stating my truth and what I was comfortable with or what I didn't want to do was huge for me as well. Yeah. So what about when people haven't found their voice yet or they don't really they're so used to not being able or not knowing how to set boundaries they don't even know what those boundaries would look like what is the process of kind of getting to the point of understanding what needs to be enforced I would say start with where you feel like you're suffering where you feel Mm. like you're really struggling and consider what needs what would make what would move the needle okay because boundaries are hard I say this yeah. all the time um they're hard to implement and they're even harder to enforce enforce yeah. like once you create them then you've got to hold uh people accountable to them and I also encourage people to start with something less scary right let's say you need to set boundaries with your family with your job it might be easier it might be easier to set the boundaries at your job first before your family right so start um in easier place and build up the skill Mm. There's also lots of great books out there now. Um, a really great therapist, Edra Tawab. She's an African-American woman. She just released a best-selling book on boundaries that I highly recommend. It's very, uh, makes me very, seem very attainable. Um, and again, there's just so many resources out there right now that I think we've got to take advantage of and understand have to be intentional when we want change we have to be intentional instead of just thinking it will easily or passively come yeah yeah I I agree that's something I'm always harping on here is just you have to know what you're doing or at least know the direction that you want to go in so that you can you can get there a little bit easily more easily um so we got some questions from some of our students And a lot of them kind of centered around burnout. I think that's a common issue that people are dealing, especially now with the pandemic. I've been working from home for over a year, and I do feel like I've been able to implement more strategies to kind of set boundaries and things like we were talking about, having a set in time and working in a separate room and all that stuff. But it's still an issue because I'm working at home and there's no easy separation. Um, How would you suggest people prevent burnout when the assignments are still rolling in, when you still have things due, when your boss still is going to expect that project done, but you're trying to like set some boundaries and have some balance, but you still have to do it. Yeah. So I think this is burnout happens um, when we have been in prolonged stress, right? And again, Mm -hmm. that's everyone with COVID. Mm -hmm. We've been in this prolonged stress over a year now, but the key to burnout is really learning the stress cycle. So so stress, again, is supposed to be a cycle. It's supposed to be stressed and then you de-stress and you de-stress. But what we're doing is stressing and stress and compounding our stress. Mm. We're just stressing more and more without being intentional about finding something to de-stress. So mm. the key um, is to 
this, what they say, I don't know. Research says 30 minutes per day, 30 mm-hmm. minutes per day of intentional, something that relieves your stress level, brings down your stress levels. And that varies per person, right? Mm-hmm. For some people that's going to look like being creative. For some people that's going to look like yoga. For some people that's going to look like working out. Some people that may be getting in nature. Whatever your thing is, 30 minutes per day of intentional stress relief, which is really self-care. Yeah. I think what we tend to do now is when we have downtime is, scroll yes and that's not <laughs> that's not stress relief okay. Okay. <laughs> so again it's that intentionality piece again yeah so I am someone anytime I have a hobby I turn it into a job and that's maybe literally where I monetize it. and I've been like this since I was a kid my mom bought me a friendship bracelet kit and I was like how much do you think I could sell these for? Like, do you think I could, I could do that? Or sometimes it's just the attitude. Like I've been playing Animal Crossing that got very popular over the pandemic. And I realized I'm treating it like a job. I'm treating it like I need these deadlines to have this done and this done. How do we get away from that? I feel like it's just like this need to be productive and workaholic tendencies. And like my, my hobbies don't feel like these stressors anymore because I've put so much pressure on them for nothing. And I know it's nothing, but I still can't kind of shut that down. Yeah. So I think that's a great opportunity to get clear on your core beliefs. Mm. Why does everything turn into a hobby? What's the driving force behind that? Um, And sometimes that takes some time and some work to really dig into why is that? Like, why is there something regarding mindset with money? Is there something regarding mindset with productivity? Again, mine was attached to productivity because Mm -hmm. I thought I'm more valuable. I'm good if I'm time. So once you know what your thought is that's driving your why, now you challenge it. Mm-hmm. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Is it true? Was my productivity real? I mean, was my productivity really my worth? No, that's not true, right? Well, all these other thoughts that I'm having, are they true? If they're not true, what is true? Or what's a more helpful thought? So we can really reprogram our brains to have more helpful thoughts. Again, if we're not just subconsciously, we're usually just in action mode. We're not really paying attention to our thoughts or our feelings. We're just doing what we tend to do. Mm -hmm. But again, when you stop and think through it and question and reframe, then your actions will follow suit as well. Yeah, I I really like that. It reminds me of, how I would always hear people say like your your thoughts create your reality. And I hated that phrase so much because I was like, I don't know, it just, I felt like it put too much blame on me. But I think what I really didn't like was the feeling of responsibility because that meant that now, since I know I've created this, that at the time I hate it, now it's going to be on me to create something that I like. So with affirmations and stuff, that's been really helpful for me, but making sure that I keep the action behind it so that it's it's not just me saying something, but then not actually doing anything behind it. Yeah. Um, So right before we started talking, I did a personality quiz because that's like one of my favorite little, I don't know, I just love doing quizzes. And it made me wonder, what do you feel like is the purpose behind personality types, Enneagrams? I know astrology, I know that stuff is really popular, um, especially with our age group, what do you feel like 
and, and I'm, I, I love it, like I said. So I'm always going to know, like, I'm an Enneagram type three. I'm a Virgo sign. I'm all the, like, I, I whatever, Myers-Briggs. But what do you think, once we have that information, what do we do with it afterwards? Okay, I think that's a great question. You know, we love that kind of stuff because we're, we are interested in, again, finding our passions, finding our purpose. So we tend to to things that we feel like will help lead us to that, that will give us the insight to know ourselves better, to get to that, to live a fulfilled life. That's really what we're looking for, right? How do I live more fulfilled? How do I understand myself better so that I can be more fulfilled? I think that the key in those to pull out of those is to look at the strengths and weaknesses when you take of your results, right? Because everything has pros and cons play up your strengths, right? So often we're trying to do it all when instead of staying in our lane. So I think mm -hmm. when you get results from those um, types of quizzes and such, that's a perfect opportunity to help you learn to stay in your lane and build on your strengths. But also when you look at what may be considered your weaknesses, know that we're human. All of us are flawed and imperfect and will have weaknesses. Show yourself some compassion there, but also maybe identify, is there anything there that needs to change, right? That would really help catapult you to a different level or to this version of yourself that, you're, that you want to be, that you envision. Um, but that's how I really see um, those. And I use those personality tests in therapy all the time with my clients with people who struggle with saying, I don't know what my strengths are, or I don't know. I think, I really think they're great tools. I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good to hear. Cause, so as long as we are kind of accepting them as, I guess, maybe like starting points and just kind of like background information of just like, okay, this is where I am. These are going to be the tools that help me get to where I would like to be and maybe understand what that like to be place even is. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you wish you could just like grab a megaphone and say to all your clients? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, one thing that has really been on my heart lately is our just our relationship with failure. Mm -hmm. Because failure, people, when people say, oh, I feel stuck, or if people say, um, you know, a lot of what they say is really rooted in a fear of failure, right? I'm stuck because if I move, I might fail, right? Or um, I might be judged, I might be criticized. So lately I've been yelling, failure needs a new publicist. We really have I to love that. <laughs> our relationship with failure. And really, again, we've been conditioned all our lives to see failure as a bad thing. If you have failing grades, you weren't, you know, you, we've kind of been taught that you're not good enough if you fail. When the truth is failure is inevitable. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. We will all fail. Um, and the key to failure is getting back up. That's the most important part okay, how do I, you know, you build resilience, perseverance, you build, you build grit by how do I respond to the failure? So I've been doing a lot of work around helping people not be afraid of failure, um, reframe from losses to lessons and focus more on, okay, how do I pivot? Mm. How do I pivot after I fail? How do I rise after I fall? Yeah, I love that. That's going to be the, the Instagram promo. Failure needs a new publicist. I, <laughs> and I think that's that's so real. And I tell people in Club Gentler, failure is feedback. It's just data. Like you're learning so much about yourself through failure. I 
had my first massive failure freshman year of college, a series of massive failures freshman year of college. But one big one was I almost failed out of um, school. And I was just kind of thinking, how am I going to, and to this day, I haven't told my parents how close I got to not being able to go back. But I, I was really kind of struck with this feeling of inadequacy because I wasn't doing well in class and I had been straight A student my whole entire life. And I realized you're not failing because you're stupid because you don't know how to do this. This is not remotely what you want to be studying. So maybe this is a time for you to revisit what you think you should be doing here. And I, as soon as I switched majors and switched schools, Dean's List all, all the time, like just like understanding that it was just kind of a, a lesson information for me to gather about myself yeah. and the way that I was, I guess, engaging with the things around me in my environment. Like that was, and it's a lesson I have to tell myself and remind myself over and over again, because it didn't click after that, <laughs> after that time. <laughs> yeah, but it, knowing that is, is so helpful. Um, yeah, I love what you, the example you gave, because what you did it, what you explained was basically you know, I was thinking I was a failure, but really you challenged that thought. I'm not a failure. I'm not, this isn't the right place for me, right? And you reframed it into something more helpful, which then led you to make a different choice or a different behavior. It's a perfect example of how that works in life. So I think that's beautiful. And you're right. Everything is a practice. Everything is a practice uh, that we just have to, I tell people all this all the time. We never arrive. We'll be doing this mm -hmm. work the rest of our life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm going to be writing all this stuff down, putting it on my walls and stuff. <laughs> um, so I want, for the people who maybe, and I did an episode like this a while ago, but you know, I'm not expecting anyone to scroll, but for the people who maybe haven't started their therapy journey yet or want to, but don't really know the directions, are there any things that you feel like people should know beforehand, before starting therapy or before kind of walking down that route? There um, are a few things. I'll start with research shows that Therapy is successful when there is a strong relationship between the therapist and the client. It's mm -hmm. all about fit. That's the most important part. So when you're looking, make sure you are trying to find a therapist where you can have a consultation, get on the phone and really decide, okay, is this somebody I would want to talk to every week or every other week? Mm -hmm. Again, the relationship is more important than the degrees than the certifications. Right. Just because your doc, your therapist is a psychologist with a doctorate doesn't mean that it's going to be a good experience for you. So, yeah, I know that for a lot of people, the process can feel overwhelming and vulnerable, but committing to almost interviewing your therapist is is key right to yeah. finding the right one for you and I also think it's important to what would a good therapist look like for me is it important to me that my therapist is a man or a woman is it important that they are race um, is it important that they have a certain type of personality do I want someone who's very clinical and professional or do I want something more relaxed and laid back right mm -hmm. think about what do you need out of this because therapy is a very personal. Um, and also, I always suggest starting with um, directories. There are so many great directories available now to search out um, therapists. Therapy for Black Girls is a um, the Open Collective is awesome for people who need low-cost therapy. 
Um, Therapy Den is a very good one for people looking for inclusivity um, across the the range. So there's just so, again, so many good resources out there. And um, you can always just reach a therapist and ask for help too. I, I really believe most of us would not, would be willing to help you kind of navigate the process. Yeah, that's really good information, you know, especially that last point. I never would have thought about just reaching out and being like, hey, can I just have some help? But I love that you mentioned interviewing your therapist and highlighting the relationship. I, I know so many people who are afraid to bring certain concerns to their therapist because in the past they kind of got, I guess, like chastised and things like that during sessions and they didn't feel comfortable. So that's a very important piece because it's not, if you can't show up or feel comfortable with your therapist, then, I mean, it's not not doing a lot to help. So that's definitely useful information. So Lee, okay. I, de- I really appreciate this conversation. It has been amazing. Where can people find you online? I am on IG at Feel With Lee. That's F-E-E-L with L-E-A, Feel With Lee. My website is leelester.com. Again, that's L-E-A-L-E-S-T-E-R. I am so humbled that you invited me here. Grateful to show up for your community. Thank you so much. And I will have all that those details in the show notes um, so people can find them easily. Thank you again. I can't wait for everyone to hear this. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gentler. If you enjoyed it, please give it a rate and review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram for more self-care advice at GentlerPod and check out our website for more info, www.begentler.com. Talk to you all soon. Bye.